Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Yeah. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. We in Outshine. Bitcoins, we got them. Acquire, never sell. But catch us rolling deep like Adele. Bitcoin, blockchains, cryptocurrencies. Three guys faded talking Bitcoin, no fee. That's the free Bitcoin podcast, insane. And adoption is still the only thing, thing, thing that matters, man. Hey guys, welcome to episode 152 of the Bitcoin Podcast. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. Host number three, as always, Corey. What's up, guys? What's going on today? Yeah, much, man. I'm we just cruising these, cruising these internet streets. Oh, no. Um, yeah, we did launch a new show. Congratulations to Evan Vaness. And I hope you all tuned in to uh, Evan Van Ness since with Evan Vaness. Um, it was a. The, actually, it's called the Ethereum Podcast. And Ethereum we, Podcast. And Ethereum Podcast. Know your shows. Why not, why not the? I don't know. Because that's what they chose. And that's what we put on the, the, the graphics. Ask Kevin. Uh, I don't know. Well, it's one of the many Ethereum Podcasts. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and Ethereum Podcast with Evan Vaness. Welcome to the network. Guys, pilot episode out there. We hope you guys enjoyed that one. Uh, we hope you guys are enjoying all of the content that we put that we're putting out. We should just keep launching shows. We should have like twenty five different I don't, shows. I don't want to be in charge of twenty five shows or like we're not in charge of it. I don't want to. I don't want to goat wrangle twenty five shows. Goat wrangle. Yeah, we're we're sheep herders. We're just uh, content funnels. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's what you're supposed to say in twenty seventeen. Oh, is that the politically correct way of saying it? That's the, I don't know. I I'd don't say, do Evan's show it turned I, out really well. I cursed it, you uh, much to do both. I listened to it. Content was really good. I guess it was really good. Got a lot of good feedback. Audio was good. It was solid, man. It was a solid release. Even though it was, uh, like, um. I was scared that we were going to get sued because of the Stranger Things remix. Nah, it was it was it was sufficiently different than anything that I've ever heard. It's actually just, better than the actual theme better. song. It is better, but we vanilla iced that shit a little bit. Like I listened to it and I was like, okay, so we're just going to just take the Stranger Things song and use that. <laughs> well, we wouldn't get sued. The Fiverr guy would get sued. <laughs> Maybe we'd get sued. I, I love. Don't know. I love the uh, the gray areas of things nowadays. Like, I, I was having a very <laughs> long talk with this very enthusiastic person I'm on-ramping last night about, like, the legality of Bitcoin and who gets taxed and what and blah, blah, blah. And you should, like, we went probably, like, for 30 minutes, went around and around about, like, who gets taxed when somebody uses a shift card. And I was like, well, look, man, it's not like you cashed out the Bitcoin and you have to pay capital gains on it. You gave the Bitcoin to shift and then they paid your bill with dollars. So does it work that way? Really? 
Yeah, that's how that's how the shift card works. Like, so we don't pay taxes on anything used on shift. No, that's that's the thing. I don't think we do. But who does? Whoa. No, all all conversions from crypto to fiat are taxable events. But that's, that's yeah, the thing, but though. Not, but yeah, but shift conversion. is doing the conversion. Shift is doing the conversion. But you're paying with us. your card, like the card. Like it's not like you use a credit card and don't pay taxes on that type of stuff. Or use your debit card. And say you're giving your money to the to the Visa network or the owner of the debit card, and they're paying your bill. It doesn't work that way, dude. The Bitcoin goes to Shift. Shift pays your bill. They're being a money transmitter or something. There has to be some clause that says they're not culpable for the paying the taxes of all the things that they're doing. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a profitable business. Well, Bitcoins is not Bitcoins. Bitcoins is a uh, Bitcoins isn't a uh, isn't a money man. Bitcoin isn't a money, so it's not money transmission. <laughs> I, I <laughs> Bitcoin's not money, so it's not money transmission. It's it has been it has been it's been ruled as money in Texas. Have you guys tried this? Not money in other places. Well, I'm there's just this saying. website called Bitcoin.tax. It's actually a website, and it helps you calculate your your Bitcoin taxes for free. I'm gonna go to Shift Payments and see what they say about taxing. I, I don't. I, I, every, it can't like, be. It, it can't be real. Like it's legal. How about that? Well, that's that's what Plutus was supposed to solve. Because remember when Shift Card came out, well, it still was, doing you can only use it in a couple states. I think they just because. released some type of beta or alpha or something. Finally, Bitcoin Tax what, Cello? Bitcoin Tax website. Because there were laws in the U.S. where every time you use your Shift Card, you're on the hook to figure out your capital gains or losses. Uh, no, this is like a year ago. So you had to get like an accountant, and they were like, "Shit, man, I'm, I'm gonna need help trying to figure out my tax bill." Whoa, that's a one hell of a service. So all you need to do is export all of your transactions from Coinbase and then upload them into this thing if you trust it. It does have HTTPS, but that could mean nothing now that we know. What are you talking about? Uh, this Bitcoin dot tax. Yeah, step it calculates one, your taxes. Import your transactions. Yeah, that's that's, that's a legitimate website. Calculate gains and income. Step three: File your tax return. Yeah, that's a legitimate website. That's what people most we people need use. them as a sponsor. Really? That's a boring sponsor. Hey, can you're your a boring done? sponsor. Oh, you're a boring sponsor. Well, yeah, we're brought to you by Tech and Seven and Bitcoin Taxes. That's right. Tech that and Seven shows word. it shows our breadth if yeah, we're man. sponsored by <laughs> everything. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we'll take Turbo money from anybody. <laughs> it's all about the feels, man. That's why I've really been trying to get sponsored by Cheerios because everybody's babies eat Cheerios. So everybody's got a warm spot in their heart for Cheerios. I say we, I say we get out of the crypto game on our sponsorships and get like something – like find some things that we want and then try and get them as a sponsor. Like I want to be sponsored by Sennheiser because I want all new, delicious, Fuck awesome yeah. headsets. <laughs> Fuck Yeah. I'm wearing me undies right now, so send me some free me undies. I, I want to. Uh, there's this Twitter page that claims to be the last blockbuster, and they make funny blockbuster jokes. I want to be sponsored by that blockbuster. Yeah, I've seen that. That's good stuff. It's like it was. It, it did a tweet the other day. It's like top three rentals of this month. Number one, uh, like. Die Hard, number two, something else random, and then it was like, and the stats are the top for the, the number one rental was rented twice. 
and that's it. <laughs> I bet your brother still uses it because he doesn't even know what kind of DVD player he has. He's probably renting no. Blockbuster. He just got out of going to Redbox. <laughs> hey, Chiefs beat the Patriots. Not only did we beat them, but we embarrassed them and we took their soul. <laughs> In front of all to see, our middle linebacker was Shang Sung. He fucking took their soul. Um, so we're not going to talk football. This isn't a sports podcast where everybody talks like this, and it's crazy because stats are stats. Yeah, I'm the uh, animal. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think <laughs> you're. I think crazy it's garbage. How quick you broke into that voice. <clears throat> yeah, it's like you have it ready to go. Yeah. Okay, hey, so. What, what do you guys think? Does a Bitcoin debit card circumvent using Bitcoin? Circumvent yes using Bitcoin? No. What does that mean? What do you mean circumvent well, using Bitcoin? It, it, it only gives people the ability to spend their Bitcoin somewhere that doesn't accept it. So if they have a Bitcoin debit card, they obviously have Bitcoin. But if they have a Bitcoin debit card and they have a digital wallet with Bitcoins on their phone, they can choose to use the card or in case the store accepts Bitcoin directly, they can use their digital wallet. So I noticed D was talking about merchant adoption driving Bitcoin adoption. And well, this is we, we, had, co- we had this conversation a long time ago before I think Bitcoin debit cards were were really a thing, right? And that was yeah. and that's when we were kind of excited about Plutus, is that's back then there wasn't any good ways to use your Bitcoin. And we talked about all the on and off ramps that were currently being built at that time back then, like a year ago or something. And mm-hmm. we were just like, like one day we're going to be able to tap into the old traditional banking infrastructure. And so just use that when other merchants haven't decided to accept Bitcoin directly. We'll just be able to use whatever thing they are accepting and they won't even know they're getting Bitcoin. Well, guess what happened? That like, it's just, we're just tapping into all of the ways that merchants already accept money and allow them to take it however they want and us to spend however we want. And there's just middlemen that do the translation for you. Hopefully, yeah. still, eventually, I'm not too sure about it anymore, that like they just decide to accept things directly and you cut out the middlemen again. Like This is a problem I'm kind of having, or I'm seeing, as we build up on-ramps and so on and so forth or like make things more usable uh, for the entire space, is that like this whole... I think we've said this before too. This whole thing about disintermediating everybody is now building intermediaries for people to use it. It's like we're just going in circles here. Like, it, what's the point? Like, I guess the foundation doesn't require mediation, which is great to build a foundation on. But at the end of the day, if we want people to use it, we need intermediaries. The thing is, is that intermediaries exist for a reason. It's like you, we're asking everyone to get as in-depth with this stuff to, quote-unquote, be their own bank. But that's never going to happen. Like, I just <clears> talked <throat> to someone. I just on-ramped someone who she was just like, look, man, I'm scared of this private key. Like, I'm literally scared of the private key. I don't want to be that responsible for my own things. And I was like, you have to be. <laughs> and she was like, oh, okay, well, now I'm reassured. I guess that's all I needed. But at the same time, you know, people aren't used to that. And that goes to what you what you said for a long time, Corey. Like people aren't used to um, being responsible for something that's that important nowadays. They, they usher that responsibility to a bank 
or if in terms of like their tax documentation, they usher the responsibility of archiving that to TurboTax or H and R Blocker. It's pronounced Ursher. <laughs> nice. That's how, that's how Usher says it. Usher baby. Uh, <clears throat> wanna make love in this club? Because that's fucking grimy, by the way. Like, I went back and listened to that song the other day. <laughs> and I was like, man, I used to love this song. It made me feel all good. It made me look at my girl. But then, like, I was listening to it. I was like, that's how you get STDs. Like, that's how you get, that's how you get diseases, is like banging in clubs. Go clubs listen to, like, dirty. all 90s R&B songs. They're all grimy, like Ride the Pony or whatever it's called. Like, come on. Oh, I mean, it's just think, things were, yeah, things were grimy. I used, to, I used I was like 12 or 13 and I would passionately sing Genuine So Anxious while my mom took me to school. <laughs> and how awkward <laughs> is that? Like thinking about it now, <laughs> if you got a 12 year old kid saying shit like it's 10, 10, where you been? That's the same thing as like kids now, like dancing, doing like Superman, that hoe. Talk to me, you. It's same thing. Like, I don't no, know, like, that's just stupid. That's just like, oh, you guys are being kids. Yeah, Superman, but like they're singing about Superman and somebody, which is which is gross. Yeah. But Genuine was very like in detailed singing about that moment before you know you're about to get laid. Like in detail, like. Anyway, I'm let's so get back. Anxious. Let's get back on track. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail okay, that hard. We got, we got really, Ursher. Yeah. Well, okay. So people so are the person you were on rapping. Like she doesn't want trust. Trust is risk, and she didn't want to trust herself with it. So now, first off, the reason why is it's too complicated for the average person to understand, which is might be her. I don't want to insult her, but anything based on trust when money is involved is generally a bad idea, especially someone who's not willing to hold their own private keys. And, and trust trustworthiness is a person based on the person's past. Like if you have bad credit or you make shitty financial decisions and now you have to hold on to some private keys, imagine the chaos that's going to lead to. Wow. Right now, the early adopters of Bitcoin are probably responsible, smart people. But when mass adoption hits, you're going to get the people with 500 credit scores in holding their private keys or people that want to rip off their friends or you know what I mean? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. definitely true. And I, I, I talked about this is, I think, the main reason why I like this, this technology or like why I push and inter- I'm interested in this technology and what it's going to do for us is like like when we built the Internet, it, it, we built apps and applications and ways for people to use the Internet um, on top of kind of the infrastructure of how the Internet works, which is like client server. And based on how you build applications on that infrastructure um, dictates how people interact with the application. So like because of that, we have companies where you store all of your information with somebody else. It like the, this infrastructure forces you to have a social implication of offloading responsibility to other people. And so as it Mm. becomes big and everyone else continues to use it over and over and over again, and it becomes commonplace, it then becomes commonplace to offload responsibility to somebody else. It's not, it's their problem to take care of your information but they get to they get to profit off of it. They've been sent, now people who are just kind of used to the convenience that the internet provides assume you have to give up responsibility in order to have that convenience. But this technology is like the blockchain technology is 100% flipped from that. 
It forces you. It's a different infrastructure. And when you build applications on this infrastructure, it forces you to take responsibility for your data. You can't mm. you, like, and so, and that's, that's the big turning point of why all of this is important. It's, but we don't have the like intuition or social experience of dealing with these types of applications because everything we think we need to use, we assume we have to give up our responsibility to somebody else. And that's why it's going to be a while for, for like this to really take off. That's what I'm saying is like most of these changes have to be a physical, there has to be a physical change in order for a thought process to take place. Like, People now, there's a service now to remember all your passwords. Why? Because we've gotten so accustomed with the behavior of, I, if I like this website a lot, I'm going to have to log into it. Or if I like this thing a lot, I'm going to have to submit a portion of my identity to it, or at least the identity that I've created for it. Like That's now a part of our behavior so much that it's entering brick and mortar stores where every – my grocery store is like, hey, before you go, I know you just wanted this bag of gum – do you want to sign up for our little thing in our app and you want to give us all this crazy amount of information just so we know what kind of groceries you buy? And I'm like, no, I don't go away. But like it start to become like part of human nature. So until there's something that physically changes a behavior to force people to understand this stuff, then it's never going to be understood. Direct and, and but it's it's gonna there's gonna be like Chella said a lot of heartache in the way of that change. There's gonna be a lot of people who get screwed, lose their money, don't understand. There's gonna be a lot of old people that refuse to to do it because they grew up with the internet. Like it's just gonna be, it's gonna be rough and it's gonna be slow. But until we have really good applications that that kind of force this responsibility back into other people's hands and also make it easy and convenient. Or like there's a use case where they where they need that responsibility. Because with the internet, you didn't have a choice. But what's nice about like the blockchain infrastructure is you have the choice of building something on top of it. Kind of like what I said, we're building all these intermediaries because people don't understand. Well, we're catering to that internet lifestyle of convenience, which will always be a thing. But at least now you have the choice to hold on to everything yourself if you want to. Whereas previously you didn't. Mm-hmm. That's 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 a good one. That's the good part. It's like now you have a choice. There's options that exist. But will people learn those options? I don't know. Cello, what are you gonna do when you're saving your very like what do you, what would you do in the world that you spoke of where people are getting like taken for their money? Where like what if like Kazen when she's fourteen or when she's sixteen, she takes her allowance, but you gave it to her in a wallet, but she doesn't know the the rule of thumb that you never give out your private key. But she did because she wanted this fancy new uh, cell phone case that was only being offered by some random Chinese company if she gave them their private key or whatever. And then she loses all of her money. Like, what? how do you then teach her the importance think, of private keys? Well, that's, I think that's the lesson right there. You touch a stove, you get burned. If you lose your money because you gave away your your keys, that that is the lesson. I agree. I'll just I'll just look at her and shrug. Yeah, <laughs> won't do that Kanye again. Kanye shrug. Kanye <laughs> shrug. Parenting. Well, that's, she only lost. She 
she only lost enough money to buy a cell phone case, right? She didn't lose like, you know. That's a that's a that's a that's a cheap discounted lesson right there. Yeah. Yeah, but what if she, well, if they have her private key, then she lost a lot more. She lost all that money that was in. Think about the like Nigerian no. scam people of <laughs> of the Bitcoin space. I mean, it's already happening. You have phishing. You have scam ICOs. You have all kinds of stuff, but you're only going to get worse because. Like this technology makes it easier for people like that to take advantage of ignorance. Yeah. Um, Not like scams go away. Yeah, but like I guess they'll go away when the awareness of them is better. Right now, it's people jumping into the space who don't know what's going on, who aren't used to like the ideas that this technology forces you to do, can be easily coaxed by a lot of people saying a lot of shit because other people are making a lot of money or they want to do that one ICO and try and make some money. So they send their money to somebody else and they're like, well, sorry about you. Good luck with that. But that's going to continue to happen. What I wonder about is like who falls, like who is the, where's the person that falls for, for a easy to spot scam? Like I fell for the Neo B scam, but me along with a lot of people fell for that scam. Cause it was very elaborate. Like they had, a, they had commercials and they even went and took, they, they put up a Neo B sign and did a photo op. Like I was like, oh, this is for real. This thing's happening. Back then too, which but was nothing. That was years. Geez, that was years ago. But like when I was twelve and I first signed into AOL and I got my very first like, I'm a Nigerian prince and I need money to get out of my. I need money from you to get out of Nigeria. If you send me five hundred bucks, I'll send you two million. I was twelve and I was like, yeah, that's that's not how the world works. That's not. <laughs> this is this is fake. And like it, it didn't even take me like any time to know like that's fake. But who was the person that was like, "Wow, that is a great ROI." If I sent him five hundred dollars, I get two million. This is brilliant. It's Everybody one, should be sending their money the tonight. It's always the once in a lifetime opportunity. That's what scammers go for. I mean, I got I personally got scammed in high school by uh, some like I don't know. It's like this this company that makes really crappy audio speakers, and they just like drive around in a van and then like find people. <laughs> So like say, hey man, our 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 uh our sheet that says we gotta deliver these speakers is like three or two or you no know, ten under. We have all these extra speakers trying to get rid of them off, you know, just so make an extra quick buck. You want them? They're like really quick audio. We'll give them to you for real cheap because you just gotta get rid of them real quick. And I was like, Oh yeah, I love speakers. I'm gonna buy those. I got some money. And I did it, and then the speakers were garbage. And then I looked it up <laughs> online. Maybe it was like this kind of like here, do this quick once in a lifetime opportunity. You'll make this is a really good deal. You can't pass up. That people get excited about because they want to be involved with really good deals because really good deals exist somewhere, and they want to feel special about stuff. And mm. and they they fall for stuff real quick and make irrational decisions. Like I learned that lesson. That lesson was a four hundred dollar lesson for me, and I'm never gonna get scammed. Oh, I don't know. I said never. But I'm a lot more reluctant and cynical about people who offer really good deals on short time frames that I'm I've been exclusively chosen for because I'm not very special on it. I'm like when people try and make you feel special for no apparent reason, that something's usually up. Yeah. Shelly, you ever been scammed before? Oh yeah. A fool and his money are soon parted. Isn't that how the proverb goes? Look at this guy. Sage Jeez, knowledge. man, just, just fucking wisdom comes out of nowhere with you sometimes. It's scary. Where did oh. that come from? 
What are you talking about, man? Like, I'm hanging around you guys all the time. I'm I'm getting financially smarter every week. Yeah, buddy. Cool, and his money are soon parted. I think Aesop said that one day. I don't know. No, I'm pretty sure that was Little John, and he said, "Hey," right after he said it. Hey, cello. Have you ever been scammed? Yeah. I mean, we'll go into this. I mean, the, we told our <laughs> stories. So first off, that that scenario that Corey just did actually just happened to me and my brother a week and a half ago in the Toy <laughs> <West Park. laughs> We didn't fall. For, yeah, we didn't. It was uh, with uh, home projectors, so I thought that was kind of funny. So that scam is actually still going on. Of course, it uh, is. But it works. I got. Yeah, it worked. He he said the same thing. He goes, "Hey, we have a delivery. Two people weren't home, and my boss says we need to get rid of it." And I was like, "That shit doesn't even make any sense. You have to." <laughs> but I didn't get into it. Yeah. Um, but the scam I fell for was about ten years ago. My bank sent me something where I had to like send money, but it didn't have that that footer on the email saying it's an official like Chase Bank uh, certified mm. document. So it it looked like a legitimate email, but it just didn't have that that certification. So um, I I uh, I inadvertently gave my password and my information to whoever it was that sent that email. So I had to go through some hoops for that one. Mm. And then on a more juvenile um, way, I gave an ex-girlfriend my credit card number so she could pay her one of her bills. And she ended up paying a lot of bills. Paying a lot of bills. (laughs) (laughs) Young love. But you said you were going to pay one bill. Yeah. It is one bill if you lump them all into the expenses category. Waka. <laughs> all right. Why don't we get into the interview this time so we can actually have a back end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to, we actually interviewed. I don't. Hello, um, this is your role. I'm not going to take your role. And that's the thing. Is like I used to give a good intro now, but then when we just start the interview with the questions, then the then they get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So. I guess the short version is we interviewed Oliver Anderson of Pally, but he said he said it weird. He said Pally. Well, he had an accent. He had an accent, but it's Pally. Get your Pally tokens. It's kind of like a decentralized Airbnb. Cool guy, smart, smart, uh, smart advisors, smart people. Yeah, there's a lot going on with this app. Um, I recommend like re-listening to this interview, and then if you're interested, give it a go because he did mention something that is on the rise. That I didn't realize is on the rise, but now I looked into my soul and see how that could be on the rise, and that's adventuring. Well, no, it's it's and, like I've traveled a lot, and every time you go somewhere, and I, I like like he says in their market research, like most uh, millennials and people around our age don't want to go to tourist attractions. They may want to see the main tourist sites or the you know seven wonders of the world wherever they go for like half a day, but they want to spend and be a part of the culture that exists wherever they go and not like try and be sold a bunch of stuff at a tourist trap. So how do you do that? Like, how do you, if you don't know anybody at that place, how do you do that? You go and try and find a local that's willing to kind of tell you about what he does or what's what they care about or what they find interesting and go do that thing. And this is basically Mm -hmm. a community that is that they're incentivized to try and reach out or create experience like local experiences for, for travelers who just want to kind of get a feel for 
how the everyday people live or like what the everyday people of that place love and like where the good sushi bar is or where the where good whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, it's a community for that, which is, a, I think, a pretty cool idea. There, yeah, I need to, I wish there's, go ahead, Cello. Well, I, Corey said he's going to, he's going to go to London. So how about a little experiment? If you could actually use the app and then report back, yeah, maybe get him back on the show. I'll do that. Yeah, I plan on going to Spain next summer, so. I'm coming with you, man. Can I do the, you know, like the spirit walk where at the end you just, like, pictures of jackals on everyone's bodies and we're sweating and the sky turns purple? Does that happen in Spain? I don't think pilgrimages work that way. I don't know. Yeah, like a spirit journey. Camino de Santiago. What makes you think that happens in, in Spain? Because in the Camino de Santiago, it's like a 500-plus mile um, uh, hike, and you have to hike 15 miles a day to finish it in six weeks, um, or five weeks, I think. And at the very end, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm joining him on that. At the very end of it, you you end up at this church. Like, you have to end up at this church. And they say that everybody has some sort of, like, spiritual thing that happens are, to them. Y'all are going to die. But, y'all are going to die. No, no, no. That's the end of this well, podcast. you can die. You can <laughs> die. But, but here's the thing is that it's really cool because there's houses that have lived on this trail for, for hundreds of years and like the people know this trail. So like at the end of every night when you make it to one of those houses, if you do, then you get like free wine and free dinner and you get to mingle with the locals. Um, if you don't get raped like you'll like you'll get to mingle with the locals. That's a big if. <laughs> yeah, it's and that's spike. You can't just throw you can't just throw ifs like that in there. Well, you can. And I was gonna say what the Pally app needs is an R and R parameter, and R and R stands for rape or racism. Like there needs to be that parameter built in, so I know like oh if I'm going to this zone, they've got a high R and R. I'm not about that life. I don't want to be raped nor this box for life. rape insurance for an extra five dollars. Yeah, like pop out. Yeah, <laughs> no. I'm not going to that zone. That's got a very high R and R, and I don't like rape nor do I like racism. So I'm out of there. I'm sure and they'll so have like, something along those lines, maybe a little more politically correct. Yeah. But there's there's no need to be politically correct about those two terrible things. It just needs to be right up front. Like, oh, this little this little town right here, they're high on rape or racism. Just don't go there. Like oh, that's, Yeah. Don't <laughs> go there. But anyways, the Camino de Santiago, I'll be going. You guys are gonna love it. All right, I'm guys. Vlog. All right, listeners. Okay, thanks. Then now you know when the podcast is over, so get it while you can. <laughs> no, man, uh, people only die when they're dumb. Like it's really hard to die. It's, it's there's tours on it now, so it's like hard to die. All right. Why don't we why don't we go back to introducing our show our our okay. guest. Oliver, hold up. I got it right here. Oliver Anderson. Oliver Anderson from Anderson Holly. with a E. Here it is. All right. So uh a little intro on our esteemed guest this episode. Uh the Pally platform allows access to experiences that are they're typically unavailable to people when they are outside their city of residence, uh provided by local experience hosts who know the given city inside out. So basically it's a really cool travel app that think of it like a a decentralized Airbnb. 
Uh, they've got over 25,000 people. And with that community, they've already begun to change the way that 18 to 30-year-olds are experiencing new cities. And I feel kind of old because I'm just outside of that demographic, but that's okay. <laughs> um, we got the CEO, Oliver Anderson, who joins us. And uh, a huge congrats to you, man, because the pre-sale for Pally was reached, I, I read, in just, what was it, 10, 11 minutes? Yeah, 11 minutes. Uh, thanks for the intro, Marcelo. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good it was a good time. We uh, we reached it in 11 minutes and um, yeah, got there way sooner than we could have hoped for. So we were beyond excited. Yeah, yeah. And and when I was uh, when I was finding pictures of you to do the artwork for this episode, I kept coming across you like swinging a tennis racket. And then I realized like, hey, this guy has kind of a, a Winklevi athlete turned entrepreneur thing going on. So uh, so kind of tell me, you know, how did how did you go from like psych major tennis star to crypto blockchain entrepreneur to starting Pally? Like like what's your story, so to speak? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, so let me let me take you through it from uh, from sort of the beginning, I guess. So I'm I'm originally from uh, from Copenhagen, Denmark, and um, moved to the moved across the pond to the to the to the US in uh, in 2010, where I uh, I moved on, on a tennis scholarship, moved to California to play some uh, some D1 tennis for for four years, and had a great time doing that. Um, so I was uh, originally originally studying. Um, you know, psych, as you said, and, and a business minor. Um, so, so that kind of led me to to just gain an increasing interest in sort of cross-cultural uh, understanding of people, in in really trying to understand how how different cultures interact and and what makes cultures so different. Um, and that coupled with with my tennis background, which which led me to to travel quite a bit across most of the continents really sort of brewed up the interest for um, what Peli inevitably ended up being, which is uh, a platform that connects people from from all over the world. So in 2014, after I graduated, I moved to, to London to complete a, complete a master's degree. And this is where, um, you know, my pretty much in 2014 is when I got into to blockchain technology and started being really interested in that and kept following kept following that from the sidelines for a while. And actually, he wrote uh, one of my last papers uh, on that in, in 2014, um, on sort of the applications of blockchain. And the interest just really kept growing from that point forward, resulting in um, me picking up, you know, as much as much knowledge as I could from around the internet, um, and really applying that or attempting to sort of uh, to to come up with uh, with different use cases for it and 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 brewing it into to this idea I've been walking around with of Pally and Pally was then conceived in um, early 16 um, where I really took it from just being sort of a, a pet project on the weekends that I was thinking about casually to to being something that I I intended or that, that I decided to pursue a little more seriously so I. Uh, Involved um, Afiola, who's my co-founder, and we spent uh, we spent a few a few months really refining the concept and trying to come up with sort of an end-to-end idea that that made sense and that would that would make sense in in others people's eyes too, and not just sort of a rough storyboard on a on a whiteboard. And that that kind of led to us, um, you know, deciding that now is the time to to. Start looking for uh, for additional people to the team through through introducing. Um, so Afiola and I are both, um, whilst 
I'm, I'm relatively technical, you know, I, I'm into data science, I know Python, I know SQL and that stuff. It's not like um, I could have put together um, put together the prototype or alpha of Pally myself. So we knew we had to go out and find, um, find a CTO somehow. So um, great story coming up here, by the way, actually. So um, <laughs> Afi and I sort of uh, decided to, uh, to look into um, Silicon Milk Roundabout, which is the, the annual um, a large annual tech event in London where the big companies go out with stands and, and the big developer um, talents, they go out to find, find new jobs. So Effie and I kind of posed as, uh, as, job, uh, as looking for jobs and went in there and just had our own uh, party, sort of talking to people and trying to recruit. And um, that, led, uh, that led us to, to Dario, who's uh, our CTO, who's um, Italian software engineer with uh, 15 years worth of experience and he's been he's been truly invaluable to the team so we kind of started putting that together and um and in november last year we released an alpha which was um the the rough version of our pally social app which is pretty much a it's a social it's a social network that um, as you said connects locals to visitors um, from all over the world and attempts to um, to sort of uh, improve the experiences of of visitors uh, of travelers through uh, through the locals providing a um, recommendations on where to go and b um, you know if the chemistry is there and there's sort of a mutual interest then of course um, people are, are meeting up as well and sort of sharing experiences and and the good part about being a local is that in the world of the 21st century where um, particularly millennials, but you know, I'm sure you guys uh, are there too. Even if you've just uh, reached 30, um, <laughs> um, in the world of, of the 21st century, here everybody everybody travels a lot, and and just because you're a local in in week A doesn't mean you're a local in week B, right? So so the roles um, reverse quite quickly, and and that allows for sort of a a community that that that's permeated by um, that's permeated by everybody at some point needing needing input. Um, so we launched that in, in November, had a, a private alpha where we had a few hundred people in there, and that led to um, a wealth of really, really useful feedback for us that we then took away. We, we spent um, several weeks in focus groups in sort of just hardcore data collection mode where we really dug into people's experiences and tried to refine accordingly, which led to uh, which led to, which led to our beta been released in, in the App Store in April this year. So again, um, our beta was only um, was only for the Pelly Social part of the equation. The second part of the equation, which we are, we've introduced in Alpha currently, is our Pelly Adventures platform, and that is, as as you correctly say, the the decentralized version of Airbnb's experience platform, where um, through an experience marketplace, we find. Um, we for now, um, in time, it'll be it'll be a mining activity within the within the network. But for now, um, we curate locals who um, have some sort of interest, um, interesting hobby that they're passionate about, and that they they would like to somehow um, you know turn themselves into a micro entrepreneur on the weekends and make a few extra bucks to either support uh, their studies or whatever it may be. So, um, for example. We we have um, our first um, our first experience host, whom we introduced um, a few months back, is a guy called Chris, who's a um, you know 20-something ex-marathon runner, 
and really loves traveling. And, um, you know, so he's put together this cool Saturday morning run through um, through the brinks of London, followed uh, followed by sort of a, a breakfast where um, people, they, they get together and, and, and sort of get to know each other. And, and he really enjoys doing that. And that's, that's a prime use case for um, for what we, want the, what we want the platform to to be, and um, we've had we've had great uh, feedback on, on some of the sort of initial experiences we are, we're putting together, um, and um, so that's in a nutshell that's pretty much um, Pali Social and Pali Adventures. So the the blockchain part of the equation is um, how do we marry those two concepts into something that once you are a Pali Social user, how do we nudge you? To, to also you know remain within the community, remain within the platform, and um, remain within the platform and and continue to use it um, to buy experiences to host experiences when you travel yourself. And B, if you are somehow introduced uh, to Pali initially through the market experience, uh, the experience platform, then how do we how do we how do we retain you and and make sure that that you continue to be a part of our community and that you engage with people on the, on the social part of the app and that's where um that's where Pelly meets uh, meets um Pelly coin which is our community token and currency that we're um currently um finishing up uh, smart contracts for and and of course um going through um going through our initial coin offering which is happening in in mid october um, so what that will allow us to do and why that is the choice of, of sort of integration between the two um, is because A, we remove the, we remove the centralized version of, um, of a marketplace. And, you know, while we definitely believe that, you know, before we could, before we could eventually enter um, the era of decentralized technology and of, and of decentralized, um, you know, counterparts to the currently centralized conglomerates it's it's a paradigm shift that that was sort of bound to happen where you know just because you are a driver and you need an uber in your model or because you have a home and you need to rent it out you know um, you don't have to pay um you know 20 20 percent of your of your income to to the hosting platform just for hosting um, and that's what we kind of um that's what we kind of bank on, and we um, we sort of allow people to interact directly with each other, and um, you know we use smart contract technology that's built directly on top of the Ethereum platform as an ERC twenty token to um, to allow us to do these things. So you know it could be, um, of course, the prime use case is that you buy an experience, and and the way you pay for that experience is through Pelly coins. Um, secondly. We have we've played around a bit with the with the concept of mining and and in the traditional sense of needing CPU power and and in the sense that it's used on on Bitcoin and Ethereum's blockchain, um, it's not how we use miners. Miners are essentially um, recruitment um, recruitment affiliates to to Pelly who help uh, identify and introduce new experienced hosts into the platform and in return for. Uh, for finding someone, they get they get Pelly, Pelly coins in return. Um, so you know that could that could be it doesn't have to be more complicated than you know I know two people who have these really cool interests and they're super passionate and outgoing and they would do well in a in a host role. And therefore, I'm going to um, to suggest to them that they they should sign up for Pelly. And when they do that, um, there's kind of a referral code that every miner gets um, that. 
um, that they can then insert, which will result in, in them being remunerated in, in Pelicoins. Um, so if I were to if I were to try and I guess take a step into the ideal use case of your of like the end user, say I go travel, I'm in Brazil somewhere in some city, uh, maybe not necessarily like a real touristy city. It just happens to be like where I have some some friend or I have business there, and I don't know what to do. So the idea is to open up Pallycoin or pa- the Pally app, like the the adventures community, and then search through local hosts in that community that have some type of skill. And then say some guys doing local henna tattoos made from berries in the Amazon or some some nonsense that sounds interesting to me. I can just <laughs> pay that guy to take me on that adventure with Pallycoin, assuming I like his ratings associated with his previous amount of teaching people how to make henna tattoos with Amazonian berries. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. Looks like looks like a Brazilian guy. We need to go recruiting. He sounds like an interesting <laughs> dude. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that that's that's spot on. Um, that's that's exactly the use case. And to sort of uh, to sort of really see the the platform in in action was was quite exciting for me. As I had um, I had a trip myself to Southeast Asia in May, where um, I had a trip to Tokyo and to Seoul, and I decided to go on the on the Pandy Social platform and not blow my cover by saying that that I'm you know involved directly involved in the project, but just trying to browse around and see what the sort of conversation would look like. And I actually ended up meeting up with uh, with people in both uh, Tokyo and Seoul, and um, you know I'm still in touch with uh, with the person I sort of ended up hanging out with in Seoul, who's a local who showed me around to a few good. Um, local places and ended up eating at, at her sort of local um, local favorite um, for a restaurant and you know she's still she's still in touch and actually ended up um, you know I, I eventually obviously had had to give up that um, that I was directly involved uh, in Pelly and you know I kind of felt like uh, the deceit had to stop there but <laughs> you she, undercover um, bossed your own app <laughs> I, I did I did <laughs> Um, but yeah, so she she actually ended up translating our website into Korean and and, and has been you know great help. So um, so yeah, it was really cool to sort of just see um, see the effects of what we've been what we've been working so hard to build and and see that you know people are actually interacting with it and and using it um, in the way we we'd intended. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so to sort of dig dig a little deeper into to the mechanisms of of the token on the platform. Um, so you mentioned that when you, for example, have, have gone on an experience and, uh, you know, the way you, you initially choose your experience will be through, um, through, um, working out what, what rating the hosts have and those ratings will be accumulated based on, on previous experiences, just like, you know, much, much like everywhere else. Um, the only difference here is that we aim to incentivize, um, people who have gone on experiences, to to leave reviews through again um, dis- dispersing uh, Pally coins into their wallets if they if they do so so essentially we are we're aiming at um, rewarding you know um, quote unquote um, good behavior in in within the ecosystem with with some sort of um, you know motive for for doing so and and in turn we are hoping that that will turn that will increase the transparency and sort of downvote. Um, the poorly performing hosts who may be, you know, uh, falsely advertising what they're doing, or just, you know, some for some reason not not be performing, um, not be performing according to to what they're promoting, and be um, really pushing the high performing hosts up um, up through the ranks and and sort of increasing their visibility on the platform, and um, and likewise we will be will be running sort of a 
a six monthly mining reward to miners who um, are responsible for introducing the top performing hosts into the system. So that means that you know the X percent highest rated hosts will receive Y Pally coins as a reward for for mining, and and likewise the host will receive um, will receive Y Pally coins for um, for for hosting great experiences that that generally improve the sort of um, that that improve the platform and that that drive more users to use to use Pally. So I'm I'm interested in this minor thing. So you. So they're not miners in the sense that we're used to in the community, but you just you just kind of get pal tokens, pally tokens for for introducing people to the platform, and that's yep. that's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And so what what we want to do is, is obviously we're um, we're printing um, hundred million tokens, and that's that's all there will ever be. Um, so sixty millions will be sold in the throughout throughout the coin offering, and you're gonna print them. <laughs> no, print, print print them digitally, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, and so so twenty million of them will be um, will be sitting in in our sort of pally pool, which is um, which is directly intended to to do and reward all those things that that I've just mentioned. And the way that'll work is that um, you know we can the the, the first. The first host referral um, gets, you know, a pally coins. The second one gets a minus one, and so on and so forth. Um, it'll never reach zero, but hopefully it'll decrease proportionally to the appreciation of the token value, um, such that it, it always remains um, and a sort of attractive incentive, um, and and therefore, um, you know, throughout time, um, the amount of pally coins that 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 sort of will be dispersed will, will of course decrease. Um, however, the nominal value, um, you know, pegged against anything, um, should remain sort of the same as as the introductory, um, as the introductory rate. So I'm looking at your kind of your your tiers of the ICO token, and at the end of this, say you raise, you you produce uh, ten cents per token at the very end of it, gives you an evaluation of around ten million dollars. Like, what why do you need so much? What are you doing with all that money? Yeah, no, that's a good question, and I, I think um, you know. So it, it's not exactly um, 10 million. We're actually we so we raised 250k in the pre-sale, and we're going for 4.7, um, assuming that um, that the tiers are, are full and that we sell out. Um, so the reason we kind of chose that amount is because you know, obviously, not, nothing against um, nothing against the projects that are you know performing exceedingly well and raising hundreds of millions, but. Um, you know, we just couldn't justify um, going for for that amount of money, and we've been through a private uh, fundraising round, which kind of serves as our seed round. And so we we kind of bootstrap for a while, then went through a seed round in the private market, and then um, you know this would effectively be uh, serving as like a Series A round, where you know what we kind of would go for in a typical Series A round would be would be this sort of number as well. Which um, you know, which will allow us to sort of expand the team, like like we hope to do, um, increase increase the visibility in the city that we're currently launched in for our experiences platform, which is London, um, allow us to um, to sort of gain um, an exposure in new cities. So we're hoping to introduce the experience platform into City Two from next year, and um, the city will obviously depend on. Um, what the community wants, and and we'll sort of do a, a tally up of votes in there, and and the most um, the most voted for uh, big city will will be where we go. Um, so, 
you know, it, it's it's definitely to it'll take us it'll take us about um, a year and a half, two years down the line. Um, again, much like much like we'd be looking, much like the runway, we'd be looking to to obtain through um, a Series A round. And you know, we felt like it was a defensible um, a defensible amount to be going for, given that we are um, given that we're um, a growing team and that we. You know, we we sort of um, are looking to to take to take this product to to the next level where we can really scale it and and sort of get a global consumption of it that that's um, widespread. And you touched a bit about how your actual tokens are going to help aid like driving social interaction or social engagement on your app, but it I, I kind of want to understand the why of this whole project because traveling in my book has always been cool, but it seems like, you know, I read the stat where, uh, in a couple of years from now versus a couple of years ago, millennials are going to be taking over 50% more international trips. And, uh, I didn't know that there was a youth travel market, uh, like traveling is all of a sudden exploding. Can you kind of comment on why that is and why this was the perfect time to create Pally? Yeah, I, I kind of think that um, you know the, the reason that that there's been sort of an ex- exponential growth in in just the overall travel market is um, you know credited directly to globalization, which means that you know we're it's becoming it's becoming a lot easier. You know, for example, within within Europe, we have plenty of um, plenty of low budget uh, airlines, which actually makes it it makes it more affordable for. Um, for anybody to book um, book a weekend trip, you know, across across Europe, say from from London to Prague, than it does to book a train one hour north of the city, um, you know. So, so I think that that's that's largely um, a factor that that plays in. I think the reason um, a social travel app also makes sense is because um, from from a few months ago, um, all European carriers of, of cell phones are actually required to um, offer free internet and data for people when they travel, which means that you know, uh, Wi-Fi isn't a, or data access, internet access isn't a rare commodity when you're abroad. It's something that you can use just like when you're home, which means that um, you know you'll be more likely to interact with an app um, even when you travel, um, and I, an app like us that actually needs you to interact with it when you travel um, for it to be successful. Um, so I think um, you know those two factors combined with the sort of anecdotal point that um, you know people we've spoken to and, and we've gathered a lot of first-hand research. Um, you know, throughout throughout the last year and a half, um, you know, indicates that people are, you know, that of course when you go to a new city, you want to spend half a day or whatever. If you come to London, you, of course you want to spend half a day um, doing, you know, viewing Big Ben, visiting Buckingham Palace, and, and doing, you know, visiting the tourist trail basically. But you know, if you're if you're here for for more than a day, um, you kind of probably would want to. Um, explore something that that's a parallel universe to to where you would be faring in your in your own city, which you know for my for me at least would not be you know, I, I'm I'm not spending my Saturdays hanging out by Buckingham Palace in London, right? So um, <laughs> right, right. you know you, I kind of um, you know kind of kind of go um, towards the local neighborhoods to find the, the cool spots, you know, find cool coffee shops, bars, uh, food markets, and stuff like that. And I think um, there's been you know, an increasing frustration, at least in people we're talking to with, you know, A, how, how do I find this? How do I find this? Because, you know, you can really sense when you're in a city that if, uh, if you don't really, if, if you, if you, if you don't really know anyone there, you kind of, um, very quickly end up just, 
you know, maybe you, maybe you get slightly off the tourist trail, but you're always within an, within arm's reach of it, and and you don't really feel like you're truly getting and capturing the true essence of a city. Um. So yeah. So we're hoping to engage sort of you know the local counterpart of you in a different city to hang out with you. And the reason that's going to work is because you know um, people who are like-minded are likely to hit it off in terms of from a chemistry point of view and, and you know be have the similar interest and stuff. Um. So. You know that's why we were really confident um, or hopeful that that the concept will prove itself through um, just a bunch of, of eager um, young people who who want to travel um, and who want to feel like they are getting um, they're getting more out of it than than the tourist trail. Right, but it only it only reaches out to five continents. Obviously, Antarctica is out of the question. What is what is that sixth continent that you're having trouble acquiring on the app? Yeah, so for now it's um, it's South America that we ha- we don't really have a presence in, and um, oh, you know, we need the Brazil guy. I, I oh say, yeah. no, <laughs> you assisted me there, so um, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to go hunting for for that guy. Um, but uh, I know yeah, some Brazilians. So, hey, send send them our way. We'd be happy. We'd be happy to talk. Um, but yeah, obviously Antarctica, uh, you know, roadmap thing for for 2018 type thing, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no kidding. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, South America. You know, so I'm hoping that uh, that that that's something that we can take off the list uh, relatively soon, and sort of um, get some people going there. But you know, for now, um, the social platform is is you know, performing performing pretty solid, and and the marketplace, um, which only is is launched in London right now, has um, 28 hosts who are you know currently curated by us because um, we needed to prove concept. Um, and see if, if there's any desire to do this, and and then in the future will be um, a product of miners who are recruiters who introduce it to to the platform. Right on. I know uh, I know quite a few Brazilians. Maybe I'll send them your way to try and get that bootstrap for you. I lived there <laughs> hey, for a few appreciate years. Appreciate it. Maybe, maybe we'll send you a mining fee then. All right. I like the sound of that. Should we hit right. with the ten questions? Yeah, let's hit him with our with our ten questions. Do you want to give that to him? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. So, and we got a tough question for you. In right. uh, in ten words or less, can you describe blockchain? Okay. Um. Yeah, blockchain decentralized ledger technology that increases transparency. In a peer-to-peer, in a peer-to-peer type way. That's ten words exactly. If you take peer-to-peer as one yeah. word. <laughs> well, nice. Well done. All right, man. Thanks for coming on the show. I, uh, I, 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 I like the community aspect of what you're trying to do. It's like you're you're incentivizing people to keep adding value into the network, which is what this technology is actually built for. And so I'm happy to see new projects start to find ways of getting people to help like to communicate with each other and finding a token that incentivizes them to keep doing that in an honest way. So props to y'all. Yeah. Thanks so much for, for having me on. Um, we really appreciated the whole team and uh, yeah, hope to speak to you guys sometime again. Let us know if you're, if you're ever in London and, and we'll tailor a pally, a very pally day for you. I'm actually going to be in London on January. So I'll be hitting you up. Oh, definitely. All right. I'll look forward to that. And that was the interview with Oliver Anderson from Pali, decentralized Airbnb slash decentralized social network slash 
they mine with people because it's not really mining, but they call it mining because you're generating new pally tokens uh, by being a good pal, you know. So there it is. Um, go on an adventure and use pally when it's available. So, so you were you were there. talking about something here in the interim. You wanted to get into it, and I stopped you and said, "Let's record that." So, go. Yes, I was talking about. Something. Um, this is what I was talking about. I was like thinking about like cultures. This is after we had the Pally interview. I was thinking about like cultures and why they're so different and what, like, what are the unique differences about them that can be meshed together. And I was thinking like in Europe and like in Spain and in France and and those like what Western European countries they take these like siesta breaks and shit. Where like during the work day or during the work week, there's like a designated time where they're like, we are not going to work. We're going to chill. We're going to eat some charcuterie. We're going to hang out. Or is it charcuterie? 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 Charcuterie. I said it way wrong. We're going to just eat little nibbits of cheese and crackers. We're going to like figure out where the next soccer game is later today. We're going to just hang out and chill. And I think that does a lot about for the happiness of the people, it brings down productivity though, but whatever. And then I was thinking about here in America, it's always like work, 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 work. In fact, I read a job description last night that was like, you must be prepared to work even more than we ask when we need you to ask more because things happen and we may need you to work a lot. And I was like, damn, like you put that in the job description. Okay. I get it. And so I was thinking like, what American companies should do is like not have a siesta, but like we have all these tools, these productivity tools, like the Microsoft suite and the Google suite. And there's thousands of apps. There's a, there's a section in apps. I know this cause I have a lot of apps, the productivity tab where you see like all these crazy ass apps, like for productivity. So we've got all these tools to afford us more time, but then all we do with that more time is like slave, or whoever our boss is. And I was thinking, like, American companies could reestablish that, like, point of loyalty with the people they hire if instead of, like, taking that extra time because we can be so productive, right, to just be more productive, why not take that time and, like, let them pursue a hobby or pursue, like, what we do with the show or pursue something? It's like our version of the siesta where it's still work because Americans really know how to work. But it's like the work that we want to do. I don't think like it's every on every day. I don't think it's huh? on the employer's responsibility. Mean, don't get me wrong. There is an there's an aspect of the employer to say, here's you're required to work this amount. Good job you work that amount. Go do something else. There, the, we have the mentality in America of only work. And I've experienced this heavily while I lived in Brazil and been around like when I traveled around Europe and stuff. The difference in in social culture of of work and work and life and that balance. But it's up to the individual to take that time and find a hobby and don't be lazy because like there's a lot of free time that's just wasted in front of the television in America or not doing something or feeling guilty about not working or even being really, really unproductive at work and and spending a lot of time on a task that doesn't take that a lot, that much time if they just put their mind to it and get it done. Like inefficient work, despite having all the productivity tools in the world, 
is still probably the number one reason why people work too much. In my personal opinion. And and then when they go home, they're just tired or bored or mad or upset or guilty or they hate life that they don't like pursue a hobby or take the time to go do something that's interesting to them or start doing something because they think they're not good at it. So why should they start doing it? I don't know. I think it's the individual's responsibility to, to, to carve that out for themselves and not someone else's. That's offloading personal responsibility yet again. No, no, I don't think it's offloading personal responsibility. I think it's reestablishing a culture that a company has your back. I agree. You're right. There's there's an aspect of that that doesn't exist here in America, or it's 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 small. And when you find it, you're lucky. Yeah, like it's, if you find a company that actually has your back, then it's so it's so few and far between. And that that culture of like the company understands you don't give a damn about the company, and you understand that you don't give a damn about the company. Like that mutual agreement is very toxic. Yeah. For a society to like, Oh, like I'm just going to work. I don't give a shit about who I'm working for and they don't give a shit about me, but we know we were making that dollar dollar bill. Like that's a very shitty. It's not a good relationship. It's not a good, it's a very, it's a very shitty culture. Yeah. Like, I agree. Because then it leads to like conversations in the back end, like, well, she fell down, but did she really fall down on our property? Or like, she fell down, but is she really hurt or is she mil- like that's that leads to very shitty things behind the scenes when the company just like doesn't care about the people and the people don't care about the company. What's the fix for know. that? What's the fix for that? Is, what's the I mean, fix? There's for always going like, to be shitty gotta, people. There's always going to be shitty people, but shitty people get punched. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's my only. That's my. That's my only resolution. I was gonna say like, I don't know. Maybe the fix is like, hey, like here you work forty hours a week, but three hours of that, three days of the week, we want you to work on what you want to work on. You got a podcast. You got a blog. You got. Are you a social media personality? Are you some just something? Because I fear that like. As automation and hardware catches up with software and automation really, like, takes a hold, like, the only thing that's going to separate us from the things that we create is, like, a genuine human experience. And, like, where is that going to go if – I just think that, like, companies should be kind of investing in that idea of, like, hey, man, be like a person. You can work here, but be like a person. And do stuff. Don't don't just slave away for us all the time. The beautiful We're thought. actually dedicating this, this time to you to to go be a person. Like do what you do. If you if you run a fitness blog, you get three hours a week on the clock where you could take an extra extra long lunch and go do some fitness shit and record it and put it on your blog. Like that's cool. Like but don't like just stay here and slave away. For hours for us, I don't know it'd be a, it's a very magical thought, but whatever. Yeah, you're, you're you're. I think you're reaching in terms of practicality, but the idea is there. Like finding ways for companies to try and reengage their employees to go be themselves, as opposed to discouraging it. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about Bitcoin. So R slash. <laughs> So, so red.com slash r slash Bitcoin is fucking terrible. And um, it's been that way for a long time. 
I would even I just go, go as far as to say it's not just r slash Bitcoin. It's it's most cryptocurrency subreddits. Like it's 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 hard to find the diamonds in the rough in almost all cryptocurrency subreddits now. Yeah, Shella, what do you think? Where you been getting your cryptocurrency uh, information from lately? I go to BTC. I don't go to Bitcoin. I think BTC is god awful. It's it's gotten worse, but it's still better. No, alternatives. It's 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 different. Like the the motivation behind BTC is very unidirectional, and it's it's just as it's just as bad. Wait, it's, what was it's that a word? Shit show. Unidirectional, only one way. They all they're all behind one motive, and it, like it's if you say anything else, you get shit on real quick. If you say something else in Bit- in R slash Bitcoin. You just get censored. They just they just cut you out. As opposed to like getting downvoted into oblivion, yeah. or like, I don't know. I, I I hate any. I actually hate all Bitcoin related subreddits. I usually stick to like the general purpose subreddits like r slash cryptocurrency. Bitcoin uncensored is pretty good, I think. But I I I rarely spend my time even getting on Reddit anymore. Like I I really. Look at what Evan does with his newsletter because he's spending a lot of the time vetting that information for Ethereum-based news. But outside of that, it's it's really hard to really hard to parse what's good and what's bad because there's so much garbage in between. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think this is what I kind of like. I'm really starting to get I'm half annoyed, half appreciative like everyone that comes to me for on ramping not everyone there's a lot of people that don't in fact the people that make it to my show typically don't but the ones that don't make it to the show are the ones that are like okay i heard everything you said about decentralization and it's really cool but there was this point where you said making money happens and that's the thing that i'm interested in the making money part and i'm like oh Okay, but what about all the other cool shit? And they're like, no, no. I mean, I get that. Like, yay for the future. But I can get rich from what I read on the internet, and you can be the person that can sherpa me into extreme wealth. And I'm like, I don't think you're quite understanding. <laughs> that's, that's so appropriate of a yeah. of a of an analogy of what people want <laughs> when they want to know about Bitcoin. Yeah, and like. It's it's always starts the niceties. They're like, oh yeah, it's crazy. Like, Doshi Nakamoto, huh? He's got a that's crazy. He just left. Oh and wow, like oh bitcoins have grown how much? So where's the part where I take all of my money in my life and then I give it to you to make more money for me? Like, there's always kind of like that point in the conversation, and I'm like, that's not happening. But <laughs> and so then I get disappointed. I'm like. Where is this coming from? Like, everybody just wants to fucking make money, I guess. And then I go and I look in Reddit and then in BTC and then in ETH Trader, which should be expected, but in Ethereum. And it's like every third comment is like the price, the price, the price, the price, the price, the price. And it's like, well, no fucking wonder no one thinks it's a currency or is ever going to try and attempt to use it as a currency because there's no discussion of that ever. The only discussion of it on the popular forums is what is the price and it's like it's a anno- it's getting annoying almost oh it's real annoying because it's not the price 
the price is irrelevant when this stuff is adopted. Like, and I can't, you can't get people to see that. They're still just living in right now. But it's, I mean, the price isn't irrelevant. The price definitely has strong meaning to what the value of this stuff is. But when it's massively adopted, it's not like if things are starting to be priced in Bitcoin on the streets, then we won. Congratulations. Don't worry about moving your Bitcoin anywhere or cashing out anything. Like, we won the war. Like, don't the, – the, I put quotations around war. But – Yeah, it's uh, – I don't know. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, the, it's the main motivator. If it's your main motivation for being in this space, then – you're never going to care about the actual technology and what it can do. And that's like, people ask me like, why don't y'all talk about the price more on the show? It's like, cause that's not what I care about. Or like, why don't you tell people about your portfolio and how it's done? Cause like, I don't want people who listen to this show to listen to me because I'm giving them advice or tell them how I invest my money so that they can go do the same thing. I want them to listen to me so they understand or like even start to think about what this technology could do on a social level or its implications to how we interact with each other. That's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. And that's way more important to me than, you know, making some money. Like I'll make some money. That's a byproduct of understanding the technology. And I'll like, like I said earlier, I think when we were having a conversation, like if, when you see fruit, you're going to pick it, but it takes some education to start to see these types of things to make good decisions when they're, when they're a good decision. If you mm-hmm. don't do the education, if you don't do the research, if you don't do your due diligence, then you're not going to be able to discern what's good fruit and what's bad fruit. And you might, you might get sick Ooh. from picking some bad fruit. That's a great analogy, man. It's like uh, you see berries, you're going to pick them, but it takes experience to know which berries are poisonous or not. Yeah. And watch Into the Wild and yep. the scene where that guy shits himself, and then you'll start to understand what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I don't know. I, I think that's when your main motivator is price, then you're probably going to have a bad time unless someone takes care of it for you that does a better job, in which he's going to take a nice, healthy skim off the top, as he should, because he's doing the due diligence to take care of that stuff for you. Mm hmm. Or, or expect to lose that money. And if you throw away money in, into this thing and lose it, and it was your nest egg, joke's on you, man. That's, that's like getting into penny stocks and expecting to become rich. The, the, the conversations are becoming increasingly, increasingly more uncomfortable, though. Like, now people are starting to give me like, their actual financials, and I'm like, whoa, like, do you have a fiduciary obligated uh, – Financial advisor, and they're like, well, yeah, I got a financial advisor, but uh, you know, he's totally not cool with this stuff, and you are. And I'm like, whoa, man, like, I don't need to know your financials. Like, this is getting awkward. Like, what? <laughs> um, shit, it is what it is. I don't know. Imagine if you Maybe were the like, universe is, it's it's, it's um, a weird. It's a it's the first time this has happened in history. It's where, like imagine you were an expert in some technology. Like you're, you're like a super expert in graph databases and how to, mm-hmm. how to make them and, and get information from them and things like, and implement them in applications and use them and so on and so forth. And then all of your friends are like, you do what? Oh, tell me about that. So I can get rich. Like what? No, what? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But now like that's, 
That's that's kind of a legitimate thing for someone to say to you if they realize you're into cryptocurrency and an expert in cryptocurrency, or like <laughs> you, you you have a you have a better understanding in it than most people. They're like, oh, you know that technology? Oh, you should tell me about it. Or like, let me throw my money at you so you can make me rich. That's that's not that's not how this. What works. I should start doing is like, okay, the first time you off you ask me about how to get rich, I'm gonna say no, I don't do that. And the second time. I'm going to take your money, but I want to let you know you're investing in me as a human. So you're just giving me money. And I'll take it. All of it. I might I might <laughs> give you some back. <laughs> I might give you some back, but you're investing in me. And, and you know, just want to let you know that's how that's going. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, like, let's wrap this up. Let's, uh, let's, let's finish. This is a uh, long episode. Yeah. Today we were brought to you by watermelon pop tarts. That wasn't a good flavor on the box, but you never judge a pop tart box by its cover. It's actually pretty tasty. Wait, a pop tart uh, box by its cover? A pop tart by yeah, its yeah. box? A pop tart by its box cover art. Okay. Um. Uh, Halloween's coming up. Don't forget to ball out on that candy corn. It's always cheap the day after Halloween. Uh, If you like sugary wax, then candy corn is right up your alley. Uh, Let's what else? Get us on the BTC podcast on Twitter. Write to Cello. Mm -hmm. He will write back. Mm -hmm. Make a comment on our website. If you go to our website, thebitcoinpodcast.com, each episode has Mm -hmm. comments and discussion. That usually don't get used very much. Use them. We'll talk back. You to know you. why they don't get used? I found out 150 some odd episodes in that we built a layer, a spam layer. We've got to go approve comments. Yeah, cello's cello. So like cello's doing. Yeah, so like I went in there and there were like six comments that were waiting to get posted, and I was like, "Ah, oh, shit!" Like, I think that blocks that blocks a significant amount of spam, though. Yeah, like, it does. It does. It does its job. Like there's a lot it's of like blocked. garbage that people are like you know. It's, yeah, it says it's blocked twelve thousand spam comments. I wonder if those are like twelve thousand real comments, and it just doesn't. Th- it just thinks they're spam. Because people are like are speaking broken English or something. Like, I don't know. It could... Maybe I don't know. I haven't looked at it. Maybe Cello knows. Maybe. Yeah, he, he he dipped out because his kids were screaming at him, so uh, he's not here right now. Yeah. But yeah, let's. Uh, so yeah, the, come just come talk to us. Get on the Slack. There's a lot of stuff going on in the Slack. Those, it's it's growing and growing and growing, and it's not yeah, people trying to sell you stuff. It's like people wanting to talk about things. We have a sell you stuff channel now, the Shill channel. That's pretty good. If um, you are coming on our Slack hey, to talk about something that you would like to sell us, only do it in the hashtag Shill channel. Otherwise, it'll get yeah. it'll you'll get berated immediately. Mm-hmm. Other than that. Uh, We'll bring you more episodes of all the good stuff. Yeah, we got episodes of an Ethereum podcast coming. We've got Buy or Sell with the Hells is going to postpone because of Hurricane Irma, but that'll be back on track. Um, on Rampant with D will be coming next week. A special blue band on Rampant with D. Ooh, <laughs> shit. You guys are going to love that one. Um, and, what, uh, what about panels? Uh, I'm working on building? panels. I got a few of them. In line, I just need to start reaching out and certain scheduling them. 
It's just right, I've been cool. I'm trying to get accustomed to this new job and how much of a time commitment that is. Legit. Um, um, and then what about uh, uh, Ether review? We haven't let one of those rip in a week. I think. Oh, I'll talk to Arthur. He's probably he's got okay. stuff going on. So those who are suffering from all of the hurricane stuff, man, thoughts go out to you. This sucks. That's the luck. Stay yeah, safe. Don't play around with the, with the weather. Family out there. I got an ex out there too. Like it's crazy out there. Be careful. Uh, or fly a kite if you're weird like that. All right. Um, what else? Is that it? That's it. Okay, guys. Well, play the outro.